This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Well, we're kicking off tonight, I guess, by looking back on a sensational result. You said it, Rob, at the start of this hour. The Premier League season is shaping up to be the finest start we've ever seen. Last night's performance and result at the Etihad, City 2, Leicester 5, who on earth would have thunk it? No, no one would have thought it. And uh, obviously Jamie Vardy starring, albeit via the penalty spot twice. Yeah, now that's fair. another issue. We touched on the, the lunacy of the handball uh, situation, the rules surrounding that. We saw Eric, Eric Deer yesterday, I mean, inadvertently handle in the, the late on in, in the Spurs game to concede a penalty to Newcastle, which Callum Wilson scored. But no one really saw Jamie Vardy pop up. I know he's been a tormentor-in-chief of Manchester City, but to score a hat-trick... What, what fancy football manager had Jamie Vardy as captain yeah. yesterday? If you did, let us know on 4001 if you were brave enough to captain Jamie Vardy and not Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> or, like I did, Raheem Sterling. I thought this was going to be a stroll for Manchester City when they scored in the fourth minute. It looked like the floodgates would open. But not for the first time, a bit, a bit, a bit like Leon. Um, yeah. Leicester just ambushed Manchester City and, and did so very effectively. And Jamie Vardy had the fewest touches of any outfield starter, yet he scored a hat-trick. He had 21 touches, three shots and three goals. Wow. And this is Jamie Vardy 2020. And the question I've got for you, football is, well, there's been a litany of young prodigies burst onto the scene. We've yeah. seen, you know, even recently, Erling Haaland, we've seen Ansu Fati for Barcelona, Jadon Sancho, if you go back further, Kylian Mbappe a couple of years ago, Wayne Rooney, Pele. I mean, the list is a long one when it comes to prodigies. But late bloomers are rarer. Players that, that don't reach the, their peak years until late 20s, early 30s, they're, they're a rarer breed. And Jamie Vardy may just be the greatest of all the late bloomers. We've actually compiled a, a little list and we'd welcome any suggestions. If you're watching on Facebook, you can leave a comment there if you're listening 4001 on that one. Because let me give you some stats for it's Jamie incredible. Vardy. This, is, this will blow your mind a little bit because 2014 was Jamie Vardy's first Premier League season. Right, The year before Leicester won the title was Jamie Vardy's first Premier League season. He was 27, <laughs> yeah. right? He was 27. Most footballers start either in their late teens or early 20s. Vardy yeah. was seven years behind in that respect. In that season, he scored five goals in 34 appearances, right? Prior to that, he'd scored 20 goals in two seasons wow. and an average of 10 a season for Leicester in the championship. And prior to that... He'd been playing for Fleetwood Town. That's a well-told story. He scored 31 in 36 games in the Conference Premier Division. Which, for those of you that aren't aware, is the fifth tier yeah. of English football. So fifth he's prolific tier. in the fifth tier. Yeah, he was prolific. He's then, middling. Then it's almost like he'd found his. He'd been found out a little bit, a little bit lesser. When he got to the Championship, still a good return, but 10 goals a season, not exactly setting the world alight. And then that first season in the Premier League, five goals in 34 appearances for Leicester. Now get this. 2015-16, their title-winning season, 24 goals in 36 games. 2016-17, 13 goals in 35 games. Dropped off a bit there. Next season, 20 in 37. Then 18 in 34. Last year, he won the Golden Boot, mm -hmm. 23 in 35. Now, at the age of 33, he scored five goals in three games thus far this season. That's 103 goals <laughs> in 180 games. And here's the thing. Amazing. He spent almost no time on the sidelines through injury. Yeah. He has effectively played five full seasons. Now, I would contest that if a player, if you could say to Manchester United right now, 
we can sign you a player, a nameless player, that will score 103 goals in 180 games. They'd pay 100 million. Oh. Give yes. or take for that. Vardy cost one million mm-hmm. from Fleetwood Town. Mm-hmm. He may just be the greatest bargain of all time. I tell you from what, a footballing Bob, perspective. That's a separate argument. He might just be. Given the fact he's a Premier League winner, he was the oldest Golden Boot winner last season as well. Throw that into the mix. And as you say, he's five goals in three games already. He also holds the Premier League record for successive games, of course, in which he has scored in. That was previously held by Ruud van Nistelrooy. He did that the season that Leicester won the title. He's now 33 and he's getting better with age. He's like I'll a fine what, I've, got, I've got a couple of examples of late bloomers in this. Uh, we're going to throw this out there. And already I've had a message, Didier Drogba, the greatest yeah, of all the show. late bloomers, the man who effectively retired from football, or at least in a Chelsea shirt, by scoring the winning goal in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich from the he, penalty spot. Gangong to Marseille, he joined Chelsea. What was he when he joined Chelsea? 28? Yeah, must have been. And then, then he just took off. And when you think of Didier when he first joined Chelsea, he was, he, he was a runner. He, he was someone that would love to get in behind, and then he just became this... This beast, this monster whereby he would just throw defenders off left and right and he became just a goal-scoring machine. He was the ultimate, I guess, the archetypal number nine. He was quick over 5-10 yards, he was powerful and he just loved a good tussle on a Saturday afternoon. Now we know how brilliant Italians are at elongating the careers (laughs) of their greatest players. You look at Andrea Pirlo as a great example, Paolo Maldini as well. I put to you Luca Tony, yeah, okay. Luca, yeah. Listen to these stats. These these will blow your mind. So Luca, he was sort of floating around Italy's lower leagues in his early twenties, never really catching much of a break. He had a couple of so-so seasons in Syria A with Brescia. Then he moved back down to Serie B with Palermo. By the time he was twenty-six, he was stuck in Serie B, scoring goals for fun, though, right? He was in Serie B, yeah, with right, at twenty-six years of age. Suddenly, bang, his career takes off. He scores thirty goals to help Palermo to promotion. Now, he could prove that he could compete at the top level. He then scored 20 goals in Serie A, helping them to an impressive sixth-place finish. Mm -hmm. That got him a move to Fiorentina, and at the age of 28, he scored 31 Serie A goals in the 2005-06 season. That was the first player who'd broken the 30-goal mark in Serie A in 50 years at the age of 28. He then scored a couple of goals in the World Cup finals en route to obviously Italy winning that tournament. Then he got a move to Bayern Munich. Bayern München. And he scored 24 goals yeah. in his debut season. This was a guy that was playing in Serie B at the age of 26 for Palermo. Now, into his early 30s, seemed like he might have been slowing down. Injuries were catching up with him. Then he signed for Verona in 2013. This, yeah. And he scored 22 <laughs> goals in the 2014-15 uh, season to end the campaign as Serie A as top scorer at the age of 38. Remarkable. And you know where he ended up? He finished his career over here. And it was a sad end to Luca. Uh, he came over. In fact, I'm not sure if he actually ended his career. He did spend some time over here with Al Nasser. He was out of shape. He was carrying a bit of timber and saw him on a couple of occasions. What a striker he was. I actually saw him for Bayern Munich for Aberdeen as well. Pataudry, the UEFA Cup clash. Just brilliant. Played to his strength. Massive. Six foot four. Decent touch for a big man and just scored goals for fun. 
big Luca Tony. And I tell you what, on that front as well, there is an amazing song. Sono, you're going to love this. I was wondering if he is attempting to do the oh, singing. No, no, he's or not. Or if this is just dedicated to him, oh, inspired this, by this his greatness. Dedicated to Luca Tony, formerly of the Blue Wave, Al Nasser, over in this part of the world. I will warn you, it's a load of codswallop. But it's quite catchy. Fritti scampi e chianti calamari, Luca sei per me. Numero uno. Cannoloni, lucacioni, pepperoni, Luca sei per me. Numero uno. Bella donna, mamma mia, alimenti, ciao a Roma, Roma, riboli, amore mio. Mozzarella, mortadella, mi nutella, Luca sei per me. Numero uno. Stand by for action. How good is that, Solo Rabani? You've danced this, to that in Ayanapa, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> this makes me think of something the Venga Boys would have done. Exactly that. But, but they've just taken random foods and rhymed it with Italian Have they foods? plagiarised the Venga Boys? <laughs> <laughs> they might have done that. Not even a weird. Or Wigfield, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hope she's not listening. But that is it. Uh, it's a catchy tune, right? Wow. And when it when the beat well, goes up... Rhymed, rhymed his name with pepperoni yeah. and somehow Cannelloni. mozzarella. mozzarella. <laughs> yeah, they did well to get mozzarella yeah. in there. Cannelloni. Yeah, cannelloni. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nonsense. I mean, t- take Italian the most food. cliched Italian food stuff. <laughs> yes. yeah. Macaroni, lucatoni. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I do a terrible Scottish impersonation <laughs> <laughs> of singing that song, but just for you, Sons, and for our listeners, of Thanks course. Thanks for bringing that into my life. The lucatoni song. But uh, Late Bloomers, the other one for you, Rob, and I'll put it out there, is Stan Vavrinka, the man that uh, handed out a bit of a beating to Andy Murray at Roland Garros last night. In actual fact, Andy Murray's quickest ever defeat in a Grand Slam. Stan Vavrinka, former French Open winner, of course. He won the Australian Open back in 2014, I think he was. 29, Stan Vavrinka was. And a lot of people forget this. He's won the same number of Grand Slams as Andy Murray. Yeah, yeah. He... um yeah, he, he he was on the periphery of the top ten, wasn't he, for so so much of his career. And I think that win over Rafa in the final of the Australian Open in 2014, his first Grand Slam success, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was 12-0 and against Nadal, as in he was on the wrong side of a 12-0 and head-to-head record. He snapped his, his losing streak against Nadal in that one. He was also on the wrong end of a, of a big losing streak against Novak Djokovic, and he managed to reverse that. He beat him in the Australian Open in 2014. He then memorably beat him in the final of the French Open in 2015 when Novak was going for the career Grand Slam. He had to wait yeah. another year before he was able to win that one in the final against Andy Murray. Vavrinka just played him off the, off the court that day with that backhand, if you, don't, oh, if you recall. Yes. It was just a thing of beauty. And then he beat Novak again in, I think it was 2016, at the US Open. Um, so he's had some massive wins against the big three, big four, whatever you want to call it. Big mm. three, I'll call it. Um, and he's, as I say, 35 years of age now. Looks like he's, his career is winding down, but you never know. He's dangerous at Roland Garros. He, yes, he Andy, is. Andy Murray, and that's another conversation entirely, was... was uh, swatted. Yeah, just, just he was swatted aside. It was disappointing to see a player who's just so competitive, as we know Andy Murray is, just just not being able to compete because he's just not physically able mm, to compete right now. Right. With someone like Vavrinka, who was just in... In the mood to uh, to get things over and done with as quick as possible. Yeah, so uh, Stan would definitely get a mention in terms of footballers. Look no further as well. Miroslav Klose made his Germany debut at 24. Yeah. And then, of course, scored in the final 2014. Germany winning the World Cup. What was he? 
not, 36 he scored in the final he, scored in well, the he, finals, he, he the became the record scorer of World Cup finals Shit. at the age of 36 amazing and um yeah, he, he just continued to be a reliable source of goals, whether he was playing for Bayern Munich, whether towards the end of his career he moved to Lazio. He retired at 38 in 2016 as the all-time top scorer in the World Cup. Miroslav Klose. I know. I know, right? Just a good, honest, like he's, he's like a really good <laughs> version of Peter Crouch. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. Kaiser's Lautern into, of course, Bayern. He was 29 when he joined Bayern Munich. A good Peter Crouch. A bit harsh, that? No, a bit better one, that. Maybe a bit better. This is Off Script Extra Time with Chris and Robbie on Dubai Eye 103.8. Join the conversation. We're going to switch tack for the next 10 minutes or so and talk all things boxing. Of course, we did likewise last night with Tam Khan. We did, but in speaking of late bloomers, which we have been doing, the man we're about to speak to on the phone is another... Well, uh, he won't mind me calling him a late bloomer. And (laughs) I'm careful what I say to this man (laughs) because he's six foot six and he is going to be defending his British light heavyweight title against Craig Richards on November the 14th. So we're keen to hear how this last sort of six months has gone for him and exactly how training camp is going ahead of this big fight. Delighted to welcome into the conversation Shakan Pitters, who we've had on the show numerous times. Shakan, listen, I know you're out tonight, so thank you so much for sparing a few minutes to have a chat with us. It's okay, no problem, man. It's good to hear from you guys again. You know, it's a bit different. Last time we were, I mean, the last conversations we've had, we've been face-to-face in the studio and... You know, and so on. So to do it over the phone, obviously a bit different, but it's good to hear from you, from you guys again. How strange has it been, Shakan? I know that you uh, you defeated by a wide margin on, on a points decision unanimously, Chad Sugden, back in August in Redditch. But the fighting behind closed doors, we've seen with boxing that it's been a bit slower to make its comeback. I know Eddie Hearn's been organising some events in his back garden, but boxing as a sport globally has taken a little bit of time to kind of get things in order. How was it fighting behind closed doors against Chad? Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, I, as I always do, I embrace the moment. And, um, you know, it's one, uh, another box ticked off the list for me. Not many fighters can say that, you know, they fought behind the closed door scene. And um, for me, it wasn't, you know, it was a bit unusual. It wasn't strange or anything mad different about it because once I'm in the ring, I'm locked on and um, to my opponent anyway. So you zoned in and you only can, you know, hear what your coach is saying and, um, you know, concentrate on the person in front of you. But it was just a bit weird, you know, doing the ring walk, um, you know, and obviously after the fight when I won, there was a lot of muted claps. But I watched a few fights before my fight as well and it was just, it, it had that quiet, almost like a sparring environment. So that's all I'd say. But um, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, didn't make a mad difference to me, to be honest. But I do like the crowd, the fans' environment as well. So, of course, that was missing. So can't wait to, but for boxing to actually get back like that as a sport. Shakan, you, you do what you always do in preparation for a fight. You head on over here to Dubai, real boxing only gym. I know that's your home away from home in Alcoz. That's where you've been prepping. I mean, how has the training camp gone? And maybe for our listeners, has anything changed with the new norms, quote unquote, and social distancing et al? Have you changed your approach at all in this training camp? Um, for me, obviously, with obeying the government guidelines um, that's all what's changed um, my mentality my vision my dreams my plans always stays the same you know is to come work uh, and work very hard put my body through it I actually I, it sounds pretty crazy but I enjoy putting my body through a very tough camp 
enjoy the challenge. I enjoy everything about it. And um, that's why I love coming out here in Dubai. You know, obviously a beautiful city, beautiful place, sorry. And um, it, it's good for me to train in, under these conditions, under this heat, running in this heat, training the fabulous um you know, well-established gym of world boxing only with brilliant equipment. They always house us and home us there. So it's always a good challenge for myself, you know, because back in England, back home, as you know, it's definitely, it's like about a quarter as hot as this now. <laughs> the wind's out, the, you know, everything. So uh, it's good. Nothing's changed. My mentality remains the same. And I just enjoy the grind of training. And Shakan, boxing this year, it feels like about 10 years ago, but back in February, believe it or not, we saw Tyson Fury knock out or stop Deontay Wilder in that incredible fight in Las Vegas. And it sort of feels like boxing was kind of hit quite hard. I know every sport has been affected, but when when you, you, you think of how important the crowd is for gate receipts, obviously, to, to these big fights, you know, these massive heavyweight contests that, that we were so excited about seeing between Anthony Joshua, between Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Canelo Alvarez, obviously, in the middleweight division, things have kind of quietened down on that front. Are you concerned by that from the, from the sports perspective or... Do you see those big fights getting made, you know, towards the end of the year and maybe early into next year? Um, for, I think them big fights will be made. Um, the only problem with these big fights, in order for a lot of these, um, you know, big names in boxing to get paid their millions, obviously, of course, you need, you know, the backing of pay-per-view and the crowd, really. Um, I think for them, they're used to so much of a massive build-up at that stage. Um, they almost don't want to change that. You know, I'd imagine those fighters would never want to change that kind of environment. They they want to fight to their strengths and, and what everything in any possibility to make everything remain the same. So I know they wouldn't want to change that. But um, as far as like obviously going back to British boxing and other smaller hall boxing, like well, British boxing anyway, um, it's brilliant for the fans because there's a lot of domestic um, dust-ups which can be made a lot better and quicker. You know, fighters like myself who want to fight there's other fighters in the um, you know in the in the ranking top British ranks which will want to fight, and these fights will be made a lot quicker because it's of course it's hard to get you know your foreign fighters now, and in order for us boxers to stay active, we'll have to fight amongst each other. But um, I don't see, I'm not worried. I mean, the sport, the boxing is a very enjoyable sport. Um, I think a lot of fans miss it just as the boxers miss the fans being there. But um, these big fights will happen. It's just you know we planning and as and when. I think they happen more with fans and crowds there you know so um that's my perspective on it i don't believe they happen behind closed doors as you know for them to be paid anyway they're mega fights they need the backing of the fans and obviously of course pay-per-view Shakan, I want to ask you, get your thoughts as well. We've seen in the last couple of days Conor McGregor, MMA practitioner, a man that, of course, had the big, the big farce, as we labelled it, that fight with Floyd Mayweather. He's come out to say that him and Manny Pacquiao may get ready to dance inside the ring. It could well take place here in the Middle East. As a boxer, as a man who has worked tirelessly to try and make a name for himself in the sport of boxing, is that... Yeah. Uh, kind of slap in the face a little bit or is this the new norms is is that just entertainment for a new fandom where do you stand on a potential McGregor Pacquiao fight yeah um, as you said you know I believe it's entertainment and um, I'm not going to knock what they're doing at the end of the day they're big names they're both big names you know Conor McGregor's a big name in um, UFC and obviously Manny Pacquiao's a big name in boxing so um in regards to that, I'm not going to knock what they're doing. Obviously, of course, me being in the boxing and not, and seeing the side of things, what they're doing, I believe it is more of a business move, you know, 
both fighters. Like you don't hear Conor McGregor really edging to get back in the, um, you know, itching to get back into the octagon since he fought Mayweather because he obviously had a brilliant payday from that fight. So yeah. again, with this fight, he'll have another brilliant payday. So I'm not knocking what he's doing. I don't consider it a slap in the face because with with boxing or not, they remain big names, and um, obviously they're going to do what they have to do to, you know, make money in whatever they got to do. Like we're all trying to do is make money and um, you know, feed that support and feed our families. So. I don't look at it in a slap in the face at all. Listen, last one from me, Shakan. You've got the, the Lonsdale belt out here in Dubai. You are going to be defending that one on November the 14th against Craig Richard. Just sort of talk us through, if you can, the, the challenge that Craig will pose in that fight and give us a glimpse as to what the next 12 <laughs> months or so for you hold. What are your aspirations going forward into the next year? Um, for me, obviously, I'm just going to do what I do uh, best, you know, I, I can't help, what I, I can't focus on what I can't help, obviously I'm sure Craig's going to be training hard, um, you know, I'm going to train hard as I always do, and bring the best me on the night, which I believe the best me beats him, you know, I, was, I do respect Craig as a fighter, you know, as a good fighter, but I just believe myself and my skills and what I possess will always, you know, finish on, beat, beat him and finish on top, um, but as far as looking ahead of the next 12 years or so, of course, you know, I'd want to remain undefeated and I'd want bigger fights. But as far as I, as I, as I always do, sorry, I don't look ahead of anything. I've got November 14th to focus on with Craig uh, Richards. You know, it was a good fighter and I've got to get through that, which I will. And then um, obviously after that, I could look forward and take another step. I never overlook anything. I can't, you know, say anything about any, anything with the 12 months ahead of myself when I've got another fighter in front of me who's trying to, you know, make a difference in my 12 months and whether I'll go that way or that way. So um, after the fight, I'm sure I'll have more to say on that. But as far as now, I'm still going there and, and be the best me and get the victory and leave and keep my belt. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing it. November 14th, Shakan taking on Craig Richards. Shakan, listen, thank you so much for your time. And hopefully next time we speak to you, it will be face-to-face. We keep our fingers crossed on that one. But we wish you all the best for yeah. that fight on November the 14th. And look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you very much, man. Anytime, um, you know, it'd be hopefully, like you said, in the studio next time, uh, we could catch up face-to-face. But I'll definitely have my belt and I'll definitely get that win. And um, yeah, tune in. Thanks for having me on. Top stuff. Thank you again, Shakan, the voice there of Shakan Peter. Lovely fella, that. It's not the first time that he has joined us, and it won't be the last either. We wish him well in his quest to defend that title. He's 14 and 0. I've got a good feeling about it. He will be back, and he'll be bringing that belt. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.